Welcome to the Pulse of the Prairies podcast brought to you by Saskatchewan Pulse Growers. This podcast tackles important pulse topics, including market opportunities for your crop, market access and trade policy developments, innovative agronomic approaches, transportation for Canadian crops, and a whole lot more. My name is Sherry Lynn Phelps, and I am the Director of Research and Development. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing the new agronomy manager with Saskatchewan Pulse Growers, Sarah Anderson. Sarah brings a wealth of experience and knowledge on pulse crops from her agronomy experience in West Central Saskatchewan, as well as her master's program where she worked with lentils. Today, we will cover how the growing season is going for pulse farmers, highlight some pest issues, and touch on getting ready for harvest. So welcome, Sarah. Thanks so much, Charlene. Yeah, it's good to be here on, on my first podcast with Saskatchewan Pulse Growers, and certainly a pleasure to be joining the team in general. We are so glad to have you. So first off, you know, you, you reside in West Central Saskatchewan and um, have been traveling across the province and, and mostly in the southern and central areas. How are the pulses looking in general? Yeah, I think if we take into context, um, yeah, some of the environmental conditions that they've been through this season, they've had a lot of ups and downs through their, their production cycle from, from kind of start to where we are now, they're hanging in there okay. If you take it in maybe in context of across different production seasons, I think a lot of growers would be saying that they're not gearing up for a big pulse yield um, in, in a lot of cases. Obviously, there'll be some exceptions to that, but in a lot of cases, probably just not, uh, not the stellar um, crops across the board. So what would you say is, you know, influencing a lot of the crops right now? We've had, you know, fairly dry conditions, but we've also had a lot of hot temperatures. And and how does that impact our pulses? I think the combination of them both is really the double whammy to uh, to those pulse crops. So obviously the, the hot, high temperatures, even though our pulses can generally generally take some dryness and some, some heat, once we start getting into those really, really hot days, we're in the 30s, nothing is sort of f- functioning in that plant at peak optimal performance, right? It's going into a bit of protection mode. It's dealing with some temperature stress. And then the lack of of moisture kind of on top of that, the soil moisture, it's just compounding to that stress, you know, and and reactions to additional environmental conditions um, are a little bit exacerbated because of of that lack of moisture. So for example, we uh, encountered some mid-season frost this year as well as some early season, but some mid-season I think is uh, what was maybe notable at the very first day of summer. And because we had been going through some fluctuating temperature conditions and then hit with sort of the the 180 in terms of uh, of low temperature conditions, definitely um, brought out those symptoms a little bit more strongly. And then there was no buffer in the the soil moisture for, for a lot of those components. So I think everything just showed up a little bit more strongly. So would, would you say that, um, you know, these kind of conditions, this, this heat, particularly, and I guess combined with the dry conditions, particularly at like the reproductive phases when crops are flowering, is that um, kind of one of the more sensitive stages? Yeah, 100%. For starters, our crops are going to go through those stages a little bit more quickly. Um, the heat's going to sort of speed up their life cycle to a certain degree. And a lot of that is brought on when they are are hitting their reproductive stage. So sometimes we'll see, you know, some flower blasting leading to some aborted pods and things like that, where the crop is really shortening its time staying in that reproductive stage. So how would you say the pulses in general are holding up, you know, particularly peas and lentils compared to other crops such as canola and cereals? 
Yeah, I, I think this is probably where there's at least a little bit of a good news story for the peas and lentils um, relative to our cereal and our oil seeds. They work a little bit more efficiently uh, with the moisture resources that they have relative to, to say, a canola crop. Um, less open flowering to a certain degree as well uh, versus the canola crop. So just you know, they're able to do a little bit more with less. And so respectively, I, I think that they're holding in there a little bit better relative to those to those other crops. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks for the, the chat on, on kind of the environment and how things have been affecting the crops from, you know, frost to heat and, and dryness. And, and now we're going to talk about pests. Uh, you know, th- this is another factor that often comes into play during the growing season. And, and what are some of the pests that we've been dealing with in pulses this summer? Yeah, kind of a, a wide variety. I mean, there's some uh, that, that show up every season when we think of some of our weed control. Just because it's dry, so that weed pressure, you know, isn't going away in a lot of cases. Uh, those, uh, those weed banks are usually still able to thrive quite well. So that, of course, is something that our, our pulse producers have been aware of this season. Disease, uh, to an extent as well, it's certainly out there. Growers are making, making decisions on various uh, foliar diseases. Again, probably a little bit more tricky in terms of, of disease pressure, just because, yeah, knowing, knowing sort of where that economical line is uh, for preventative fungicide applications has certainly been a bigger challenge than other seasons when we've had uh, greater moisture and thicker canopies and, and things like that that are a little bit more prone to disease development. And then finally, probably the big one right now is late season insect pressure. Um, grasshoppers being sort of our number one culprit. Um, this is definitely their time to to shine. And um, late season late season grasshoppers uh, are definitely thriving in a lot of areas of the province right now. So that's a big one on our growers and agronomist radar. So a few pests that we're, we're dealing with and, and now, you know, the insect side of, of pests in terms of grasshoppers coming in late in the season, is there any kind of guidelines in terms of the, the crops that they most impact and, and the stages that are most susceptible to grasshopper damage? Yeah. So I often think of, of susceptibility for grasshoppers really during that, that reproductive timing. Um, so as, as our, our crops are flowering up until uh, pod development is probably the most crucial timing. That said, you know, a hungry grasshopper uh, will continue to feed on green crop sort of all the, all the way through. And so within, within our class of pulses, um, lentils often come to mind as being the most susceptible. That's where we have the lowest uh, economic threshold. Um, you're generally looking at two per square meter, whereas in peas, you can probably afford to expand that to a 10 per, per square meter when we're, when we're thinking of some of those spray decisions. So our lentils are, are definitely the ones that um, are a little bit more uh, attractive or can tolerate the the grasshopper pressure a little less relative to our other pulse crops. Good to know. No, we haven't really had too many issues with grasshoppers in in recent years. So this is kind of a resurgent of of those pesky pests. Um, Any indication on pea aphids? Have you been hearing any reports of, of aphid pressures yet? Yeah, so definitely aphids starting to show up in sweep nets. Um, I would say for the most part uh, of what's uh, coming in through me um, lower than we have had in in a couple seasons past, Um, not sort of hitting at those high thresholds 
granted, as as we're aware from past seasons, those thresholds can change very quickly. So it's really important to stay in those fields, kind of continue sweeping up until that late pod development stage and making sure that you are are above threshold, that that threshold is increasing and that there's not a presence of a lot of beneficials before making that spray decision. So, but, but right now I would say that PAFID pressures have been lower than other seasons. Well, that's good news so far. And you mentioned the beneficials. So do you have some examples of what a beneficial is and how they kind of help to keep the populations under control? Yeah, so probably the, the one that is most notable when we think of, uh, of our PAFIDs would be our ladybugs, um, our lady beetle larvae more specifically. Um, they, uh, they do a really good job of, of helping keep those aphid populations in check. They're a natural predator to, to those PAFID pets. And so when we're evaluating sort of what our pest pressure is there, we also want to take into account, do we have beneficials that might kind of help us out a little bit? before we start relying on insecticide where possible. Awesome. So some insects can be good. Yes, absolutely. So I'm going to back up just one one moment here and go back to disease because you talked about, um, you know, sort of lower disease pressure possibly this year due to the, the drier and conditions. And I just wanted to check in on the chickpea issue. In the past, we've had, you know, a chickpea health issue that we haven't been able to really put our finger on what's actually causing it and just wanted to get an update from you. It, it tended to happen about this time of year and, and see where we're at and if there's anything being being seen and if there's anything follow, being followed up on. Yeah, so we are definitely still, still on the hunt for um, understanding the, the chickpea health issue as we've been referring to it as. Uh, it seems that maybe symptoms are starting a little bit later than previous years in that a lot of our chickpeas are already well into potting. And we're just starting to see the initial symptoms, classic symptoms um, show up really within the last week or so. And so, yeah, continuing down the path of trying to investigate this issue and better understand maybe what factors are causing it, initiating it, um, what environmental conditions may be at play along with other pests or, or pathogens that might be contributing. So still dealing with quite a bit of a mystery for sure, but it looks like we're going to have another season to, to investigate. So one of the initiatives that we're working on right now is Dr. Michelle Hubbard with uh, Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada is leading a survey uh, for, for invest, field investigation of the chickpea health issue to get a better handle on what fields is affecting the incidents throughout the field in a little bit more of a strategized way and uh, and also the management factors that are going into those those fields samples will be collected and and screened as well through that survey process and then in the meantime we're also collecting symptomatic plants as well as healthy plants from similar fields and sending them to a diagnostic lab just to see if if again there's anything that uh, that pops in terms of uh, plant pathology or or anything else that might be contributing to the symptoms that we're seeing. Good. So we're still on the hunt for what's causing that that issue. And, and um, it's good to hear that there's still some stuff going forward in terms of trying to evaluate and figure that out. So thank you for that update. Absolutely. 
I would also just like to give a big shout out to the agronomists who have been dealing um, with the chickpea health issue and have chickpeas, you know, in their backyard and are scouting regularly. They've been so diligent in keeping an eye out for this issue and really working with with uh, industry collaboration um, to try and figure it out. And I, I think that is um one of the, the great things that is coming out of this is just a lot of different ways to look at a challenging issue. Um, and there's a lot of different scopes and areas of expertise to, to bring to it. So it's been um, it's been great to uh, to get those insights from the boots on the ground. Awesome. That sounds great. So with many of these crops advancing quickly, um, the heat and the dryness, of course, not helping with that. Using the right harvest aids at the right time and following label is important. What advice can you share with growers about using dry down products on their pulses and making sure that they keep market access in mind when doing so as we're getting into closer and closer to that harvest season? Yeah, for sure. So I think whether we're talking about uh, pre-harvest or sheer desiccation products, we always want to be bringing it back down to the field level and ensure that we're using the right tool for for the job and using it then at the right timing as well. So that's definitely a critical piece um, for any of these uh, harvest aid applications. Just really understanding um, a is the product you know registered on that crop, and then b is there going to be any trade restrictions by using uh, using that product um, on the crop, whether it be MRL concerns or even just uh, certain market restrictions uh, in some cases not be tied to a true MRL, but there may be some markets that are hesitant to uh, to accept grain with certain products on them. So always a good idea to, to check with your grain buyer before making those decisions. And then again, looping it back to the agronomy and ensure that you're staging at the right time and, uh, and choosing, yeah, the right, the right tool for the job. That's, that's great advice. And, um, you know, using the right tool at the right time, I think can't be stressed enough. And speaking of kind of tools, you had talked about sort of late season grasshopper infestations. Um, is there anything growers should be concerned about when they're looking at maybe control options with grasshoppers, knowing that harvest is advancing quickly? That's a great point, Sherilyn. Um, as with any anything that we're putting on, but especially as we get into these later staging, uh, pre-harvest intervals are really one of the main parts of the label. I mean, all the label parts are important, of course, but uh, the pre-harvest intervals and the days to harvest are something that we really need to keep top of mind. Um, so various products within the insecticide portfolio that growers might be choosing to use on grasshoppers also have a range of harvest intervals. So really uh, paying attention to how late can you spray and what product is still acceptable for you to to be able to spray is going to go hand in hand with the decision making for those late season grasshopper infestations. Awesome. More great advice. So we're getting to the kind of the end of our episode for today. As we're wrapping up, do you have any last advice for growers or people in our audience to ensure that harvest goes well? Yeah, I think generally speaking, um, it it certainly has been a challenging season. And and I guess all of them are challenging in in some way, shape or form. And so I would really encourage our our growers and agronomists just not to walk away from the crop too soon. I think this season may be as important uh, as important as ever is just every kernel uh, in the the bin is going to be a meaningful one. 
And so we want to ensure that all of those recommendations up until the last stages are taken uh, into account and make sure that uh, we're taking due care and attention with those uh, last uh, late season decision making, whether it be insecticide control, harvest control, and how it's going to influence sort of the getting that, that crop in the bin successfully and getting it to market. And then I, I think the next stage is harvest is almost just a little bit of a break uh, for our growers. It it's, uh, represents the end of the season, but at the same time, the beginning of the next season in a lot of regards. So looking forward to to just planning for, for the next part of your crop rotation and thinking ahead to maybe what some of those fall herbicide options might be uh, for your pulse crop in the 2022 season and, and things like that. So the decision-making is is never really going to stop. But uh, yeah, with that, I, I guess I just wish all of our growers uh, a really safe harvest season and um, and best of luck. Thank you, Sarah. You've brought a lot of expertise and observation to today's discussion. There's plenty of information here for growers to keep in mind as they're scouting their fields, getting ready for harvest, as well as thinking for next season. For more information on pulse insects, weeds of concern, and links to harvest aid products, visit saskpulse.com and click the production resources under the resources tab. Thanks to everyone for tuning into the Pulse of the Prairies podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple podcasts or the google play store to automatically get new episodes stay tuned for our next episode where we will discuss faba bean herbicide research results